Hey there, welcome back to our podcast, Life's Multiverse. Today, our episode is mind-expanding and very insightful. We are diving in a quest to find your true calling, which you might also call your purpose, or ikigai. Yes, a weird word, but we'll explain it in details shortly. And whether you currently have your dream job or you're just still figuring out what you want to do in life, I'm sure that this episode will bring you a lot of value. I'll bring up many examples from my own life and my own experience, how I found my purpose and how do I go about that every single day. Because finding our purpose in life is not that easy. And the journey most likely will have many twists and turns. But this could be the single most important discovery in your life. So to learn more about that, stick with me and let's start. Let's start from the random Japanese word I threw at you at the start, which is Ikigai. Yes, Ikigai is a Japanese word. And I first learned about it from a book with the same title. And this is a Japanese concept referring to something that gives a person a sense of purpose or a reason for living. And generally speaking, it's the one thing that gives us the sense of pleasure or fulfillment after doing it. And the book brings us a story from a Japanese island called Okinawa, where people live really long without retiring. And it was always a secret how can they achieve that? How can they stay in a good health until a very old age and keep working? And the answer was that they have found their ikigai, which is the purpose of living. I think that's a good reason for you to find yours, right? If you haven't already. And that's not a problem. Because finding our purpose might be a life challenge. It's not something that happens overnight. And that's why we are here, to make it 1% easier. And I want to highlight here that our purpose in life is not necessarily always related to work. It might be voluntary, or it might be raising kids, being a mother, being a father. These are all acceptable purposes. And they can give us the fulfillment we need and the reason to get out of bed in the morning. But what we are focusing on in particular on this episode is the purpose that we can monetize, which is what we call the vocation. Because when we have an activity that we enjoy doing and gives us fulfillment and the sense of achievement, and at the same time we can make money from it and we can turn it into a financial income, here we can guarantee that we are set for life. And we can say that we found our ikigai. We can keep doing that until we are 90 without worrying about anything. It's also worth mentioning that our calling or purpose might change throughout our life. And this might happen due to multiple reasons. One of the most frequent is self-discovery. And self-discovery is a never-ending journey. We discover more about ourselves every single day. And one day we might discover that our values might be slightly different or we might have some corrections in our calling or purpose, which is completely fine. Other reasons might be changing priorities in life, which is something I personally had. So speaking about that, let me start with my story. I consider myself to be a little bit lucky, if you can say, because I had a strong sense of purpose since my early ages. And always in every minute and every day in my life, I had this voice in my head that's driving me towards some certain goal. 
But at the same time, it was not the same thing throughout my whole life. It changed a lot, and due to multiple reasons. From my early childhood, I was interested more about astronomy, physics. I was reading every single science book I encountered. And my belief was that I'll become a physicist. And at the same time, I was an avid gamer. But at that time, computer games in the market were not too many. And I managed to finish all the games that I was interested in. I was also fantasizing about some new ideas that I could not find in any game in the market. And here was the shift. I wanted to build my own game. And for that, I discovered that there is something called computer programming and coding and everything like that. And that was in the age of 14. And I was very interested in programming because before that, even when I was 12, I managed to learn how to write um, Excel macros and execute some simple commands in Visual Basic in Microsoft Office softwares. And that was very impressive to me, how you can program the computer to do some repetitive tasks over and over in no time by writing some simple commands. And I wanted to learn more about that, so I started learning C++, and that's how I entered the computer programming world. And every time I write some piece of code and run it, and it works, and gives me the expected results, I was very satisfied, and I felt that fulfillment. And this sense of achievement and fulfillment was the driving motive for me to keep my career in computer science and software development, which I applied for in the university and I managed to get there. And my biggest purpose was to develop new computer games, which I did, at least for some time. But later on, I gave up on games development because it's a very intricate process and it's very complicated where the market is already oversaturated and games development nowadays is so difficult and requires a huge team and as a solo programmer there is no chance to compete against them. But by that time I was already learning a lot about computer graphics and 3D modeling where my main goal was to design my game characters and the game scenery. And I was sharing some of my designs on social media and many people were impressed by my ideas and they said that I have a real talent in graphics. So I kept doing that while I was in the university, hand in hand with coding. Especially after the start of the war, we had a curfew and we had to stay at home. So I was mostly spending my time learning both graphic design and software development. Until one day, my friend came to me with a request to design a custom calendar for him. He asked me because he knows that I have good skills in graphic design. Also, he did not want to pay much for a professional designer, so he asked me to do it for a very small price. And I agreed. It was like the first chance that I will get paid for doing something I like. And after doing that, I actually enjoyed the process so much. I was very focused and meticulously caring about details. It was close to the state where I was doing graphics for myself, but it had an extra factor that I know that someone is gonna use my work, which gave me an extra sense of purpose. 
And after this one, I started doing graphic design freelance as I also later on needed the financial part because of the circumstances and the war. And it was giving me some uh, income that I could cover a little bit of my expenses. But the thing that I discovered about myself from that is that I had a great pleasure delivering something of my production to people and creating something out of nothing. And I had the same fulfillment after getting my first job as a developer approximately at the same time where I found a great sense of achievement after releasing every feature in the product and after building anything on my own. So I was coding in the morning and freelancing graphics in the evening. And I kept doing that for four years. It was consuming my time and my whole life. I was working for at least 10 to 12 hours a day, every single day, even on weekends and on holidays. I used to spend the New Year's Eve working, Christmas evening working. That was very extreme for all of my friends and family. And they were even questioning, like, why am I doing this to myself? And believe it or not, money was not my first priority. Of course, I needed the money because I had no other source of income. But, but it was possible for me to cover my expenses with 50 or 60% of the work I was doing. But I was doing it mostly for my fulfillment and sense of achievement. Juggling two careers at the same time, which was a very daunting task. But this is the most interesting thing about Ikigai, is that you work without the feel of tiredness. And seeing myself improving every single time, it keeps my drive alive and keeps me striving. On top of that, the halo effect that I was getting from people around me and the praise was priceless. When I see people appreciating what I do, this is sufficient to push me for 100 extra hours. And I started getting more and more freelance requests until the point that I was forced to quit my day job because I was always booked one or two months ahead with freelance requests. But finally, after four years of doing that, working day and night, I started feeling the consequences. I started feeling the stress and I was like on the verge of burnout. Until my travel to Lebanon, it actually came as a relief. From one perspective, I found it as a much needed reset from the stressful life that I put myself in. Because I wanted to fulfill every single customer and I wanted to give them the best I can. And at the same time, I was overwhelmed with requests. And I was in a relatively young age, at the age of 23 or 24. I. I can't say that I managed my work optimally. I was more focused on my results and delivering high quality work, but overlooked some other soft skills much needed for time management. And after moving abroad, I found myself on a crossroad. I had to choose if I need to continue my career in graphic design or software engineering. And I chose software engineering because I found it more suitable for me. And it's much more convenient for me to use my left brain rather than the right brain, which I used to use for creativity in graphic design. And I'd rather focus on problem solving and teamwork. Where another very important factor in my decision was that software engineering income is usually much better than graphic design and it's way easier to find a job in the market where graphic design is a little bit saturated. And that was my path 
with finding my vocation. And I wanted to add another advice here is that it's never too late to change our career or path in life. We shouldn't worry or regret or fall for the sunk cost fallacy, which I mentioned in a previous episode, where we don't change something just because we spent so much time doing it. And it's never too old to change. No matter how old are you, you can always pivot and switch to something more fulfilling and pleasant for you. Where I saw myself great examples on people switching careers in their late 20s, late 30s, or even 40s. And they had great success. And always look for new opportunities to learn and grow. Like how I experimented with the previous two career options. Not to mention that I had numerous other jobs and positions throughout my life that I did not mention. I had them for a short time and they were not fulfilling to me. But the main idea is that I was always trying whatever opportunity I had and I was never shy or afraid to explore new paths. For example, I worked as a teacher, as a cashier for five days, as a video editor, 3D modeling, MS Word typing, and many more. So the takeaway from my story is that your vocation or calling is not necessarily a certain single position or title that you should be looking for. But instead, your purpose is more general and you should rather find your why. And for that, we need to start with why, which is another amazing book, a must read by Simon Sinek. And in his book, he explains how the most important thing for everyone is to find his why. And the why here is simply the answer to the question, why do you get up from bed every morning? And after finding your why, things will come effortlessly and you will be even inspiring people. You will be a leader in the thing you are doing and you will inspire others just because you believe in it and it is your why. For example, the why for me is to create products that people will use and be satisfied with. So I found that software development is one way to achieve this by creating softwares that people could rely on, which will make their lives easier and they will be grateful for it. And this is a big reason why I'm doing this podcast in the first place, where I'm striving to make a positive impact in people's lives. And I know people, for example, who have the why of helping others. And they may choose careers in healthcare, social work, or volunteering to directly impact the well-being of individuals. Where for others, it might be entrepreneurship or innovation. Where for some people, it could be spiritual beliefs or religions that is the central why for them. So this is different for each individual, and you should take your own time to figure out what is the why that gives meanings to your actions and choices. And based on the finding of this higher purpose, you can choose the career path that suits you the most. And when choosing the career path, you might consider other factors as well, like availability and financial return, as I mentioned in my case. Because in many cases, you could choose many career paths that might suit your why. And other environmental factors will help you choosing. But a very valuable advice here is that we should try to not be fixed on some certain options and rather stay flexible and explore all our possibilities to maximize our outcomes. And this brings us to the third part of the puzzle, which is adapting the growth mindset. 
And if you don't know about the growth mindset, it's simply all about your capacity to learn and develop and learn from your failures, which is introduced by Dr. Carol Dweck. And she talks about it in her book, Mindset, which is another book that I highly recommend reading, where she explains in details the difference between fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And I had a hands-on experience with that because for my whole early life and childhood, I was all math guy and I was all about science and logic, solving puzzles and math questions. But I didn't consider myself creative or an artist by any chance, where I was always looking at it as not something for me. But later on, I was not afraid to take a career in graphic design, which heavily relies on the right side of the brain and creativity. But for some reason, I believed in myself that I am capable of doing that. And by the time, even though I was not thinking about myself as a creative person, it was proven to me that actually I shouldn't underestimate my creative side. And it might impress me where the least I expected. And not to mention that I had many setbacks where I was just starting and I was competing with other experienced designers and they had way better ideas than me and way better work. But this actually motivated me to get better and better and be competent in this field. And that was all before I learned about this growth mindset. But reading it later on was only an assurance to me that this was the right thing to embrace. And it's mainly the belief that we are not limited by inherent talents, but rather we are inspired to change. And approaching challenges as an opportunity to learn rather than opportunity to fail. And this is very important in finding your calling and purpose. Because when you're exploring a new career path or pursuing a passion, related to your calling, you might face challenges, encounter failures, or even feel like you're not making progress. So in a fixed mindset, you would be tempted to give up, believing that maybe you're just not cut out for it. But with a growth mindset, you will view those challenges as opportunity to learn and improve. You will see setbacks as stepping stones to success, not roadblocks. But sometimes, actually, what draws us back might not be coming from ourselves, but rather from our surroundings. And this is a very important point, because you always need to surround yourself with positive people that believe in you. And by reflecting on myself, I consider myself to be lucky because I was surrounded by a supportive circle and my friends and the people I knew always praised my work and motivated me to get better and succeed. Where I know many other people who were just as talented, if not even more than me, but they are surrounded by negative people who constantly set them back and diminish their work value. And this might be a big struggle on their way. And if you are facing this, best to be aware of it. And if the people are removable from your life, then you should go ahead and do that and avoid being with them. And if not, for example, if they are a family member, you should equip yourself with some mental tricks that you can constantly use in order to ignore their voice and don't let it affect you negatively. 
And for sure, I had some examples on that from people around me, but luckily there were not too many and they were not that potent. As an example of a very emotional moment for me, it was after a university project, I had a very big presentation that I was preparing for leading a team of five students. Uh, I worked on it literally for two months, day and night. I was doing video editing and production and produced things never seen in the university at that time. In terms of visual effects and production where other students were just using PowerPoints and I was using After Effects to create a stunning presentation just like movies. And the project that should have taken 20 hours of work, it took me easily 200 hours. And after the presentation and the applause, pretty much everyone was impressed and they all appreciated the work and effort I put into that project. Until one of my colleagues came and told me, well, you did all of that using uh, just a software, right? And she said it just carelessly, meaning that that was not very impressive. And this word hurt me so much, I didn't know how to reply, but I just moved on. And luckily later, I got a perfect score. So that was a good affirmation. And you will be faced a lot with such situations. But in these cases, empathy can help you see the situation from their perspective, which might reduce your frustration. Because I know, for example, from myself many times when I see movies that costed millions of dollars, but I just didn't like something about the movie, I would bash it immediately, not really appreciating the amount of work and effort put into that. And this is just a normal human reaction. So we don't need to overthink it. And forever and always, people will have different opinions. And by that, we're coming to the end. So now, armed with these insights and practical tips, it's your time to shine. Your journey to finding calling may be filled with twists and turns. But remember, it's in those moments that you grow and learn the most. Embrace your passions and seek out opportunities that align with your values. And never forget to start with your why. I wish you all a purposeful and fulfilling life. And until the next time.